When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's the Luke and Pete Show. It's a Thursday. I hope it's sunning, sunning. I hope it's sunny uh, where you are, or if you are a person who prefers a more watery experience, I hope it's raining <laughs> in your heart. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm in pain, Luke. Uh, yeah. I ate a burger from last night's delivery order. Uh, this turned morning, up this time, and uh, it's it, it turned up this time. Yeah, and now, yeah, it's turning up twice, uh, and it's uh, yeah. I went in for my second go at this gigantic, stupid burger, and. Uh, I'm not faring well, to be honest. Where'd you get it from? No way to start your day. Uh, It was this weird off-brand. It was called... Their big thing was that their burgers are bigger than everyone's. Not better, not made with finer quality uh, ingredients, just bigger. Uh, And uh, and they were incredibly expensive, but they had a 50% off offer. And that kind of lured me in. And I think I've just been sold an absolute kipper. It looks like something my my mum used to make in the 80s. Whether well, it's a kipper, it tastes disgusting in the morning. Yeah, um, the it, it, there, are, there is there is there is a there is one. You know my feeling on this, and I know you've flouted mm. my feeling, my uh, recommendations on more than one occasion. There's flouted only one. Feeling. Yeah, there's only one takeaway type that is suitable to be eaten the next morning, and it's pizza. That's it. Chinese. Chinese. No, it's no, Chinese. it's a terrible no, shout. You've always got Chinese. stomach problems. You like you like Kurt Cobain. It's endless stomach <laughs> issues because all you do is eat any, takeaway food in I the morning. I just want any excuse to have a bit of heroin, that's all. Oh, he's, he didn't want to go on to it. That's it, you know, oh, he didn't want, it's because he had terrible stomach pains. It was also heroin as well. It's like the blog, I always sort of say that the blog out of Sublime. I'm fairly, like, an ex-girlfriend was obsessed with Sublime. And she said, he, it, was the only, it was the first time he, he ever took heroin he died. I was like, that doesn't sound like, uh, doesn't sound like what happened. <laughs> I don't know anything about Sublime. I, like, I couldn't even name one uh, of their songs. But, uh, but, but Peter, Santeria um, is very popular in, around the sort of Texas area. You, see it in, you hear it in every cafe or bar. It's weird. I've probably heard it and not known what it was. Um, yeah. Do you mind just taking over for a couple of seconds? I think I might need to sneeze. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of OPM Heavy, Heaven is a Halfpipe, it's kind of what they were based on, effectively. They based, the, you know, that early in the morning, yeah. That one, that, that, that's sublime. So you'll know that one. Oh, is it? Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, it sounds yeah. exactly yeah, like Lady yeah, Madonna so. by the Beatles. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, they were, so um, they were the original OPMs then, basically. I thought you were going to say the original Beatles. Um, I, <laughs> I, um, I just muted my mic to have a quick sneeze. That's where I went there. Okay. Thank you very much, enjoy, Peter. Enjoy. Uh, it's very nice, very enjoyable. Luke and Pete show, uh, for those of you who don't know, we talk rubbish every show twice a week it's worked for a few years now before we just stick mm. with it but i was pointed in the direction and i promised this on monday show so i'm delivering on that promise which is unlike me because i normally forget matt potter put uh, this story uh to, to, to brought this story to my attention and it's up there with one of the best newspaper headlines i think i've read for quite some time and mm. it goes like this 
Cocaine in the River Thames is another problem eels don't need, says expert. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, the eels again. They're the ones who are getting lonely in the zoo. Yeah, I know. Apparently apparently more and more people are washing cocaine into the River Thames um, by flushing it down the toilet, by um, all sorts of different reasons. Secreting it. Uh, Yeah. And um, apparently... Mainly pooping it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, um, it's it's really, really bad for fish, but particularly eels. Uh, and, mm. and, and the guy who's quoted in this, I think he's some kind of uh, marine biologist. He makes an interesting point, Peter. I'd like your thoughts on it. He says, fish and eels struggle and people are more likely to care about more charismatic and cuddly animals. But species of eel are really important to the ecosystem. Who's thinking yeah. of the eels? Hey, Who's thinking of the eels? Uh, um, I, I'm trying to think of the, the man's name from the band The Eels. Was he just called E? e Mark Everett. Eels. Mark Everett. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I'm, I I think about eels quite a lot. Um, for some reason, YouTube always suggests that uh, Eats program where the man goes to. I think it's like a Vice documentary sort of series where a man goes to a, an East London uh, eels and pie shop, and and this guy manages to like gut an eel in about ten seconds with a big sharp blade, uh, and he's he's got horribly horribly big hands yeah frightening. So, so yeah i think about i think about how how non-delicious eels are and how much i'd rather them just stay in the sea so yeah i think about them quite a lot to be honest do you like um jelly eels um they're, they're just they're one of those things that i don't want to impress the people who like them so i want to, uh, like keep i'd, I'd have thought it'd be something pissed. you would you would lap up i thought you'd really like it it feels to me like you're i've had i've had them a few times and again every time i've been presented with some jelly deals i've eaten them because i want to acquire a taste but they they're just hard work aren't they they don't they don't taste of anything in particular you're like you've got to put loads of like oh, you've got to put something on them to make them taste in in any of anything really it's just it's an unlovable fish. I think we just leave leave them be. Leave them be. Why are they in jelly? Where's the jelly come from? Why why is that a, a part of it? I think the jelly comes from their their kind of um, their makeup, doesn't it? I think they I think they Does are it? quite gelatinous, and then maybe they right. add gelatin to it. But they they I think they're naturally quite gelatinous. Interesting, right? Because they're yeah, boiled, but, aren't but... they? And they're left to cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's yeah. They're they're uh, they're just so tight. The meat is just so tight. Maybe I could have some like gourmet version of it, and it would taste amazing. But I just, it's like, like I, every time I go to a French restaurant, I'll, I'll, I'll have a crack at, at snails, and that took me a long time to get get round. I've got the taste for it now. I kind of understand what I'm working with. But snails like, just taste for me, it just garlic, though, right? Grass tasted grass. Doesn't it? Doesn't taste like garlic. I, I, it just tasted grass. I've said it before on this before. But uh, yeah, eels can't be can't be asked with eating them. I've had them in, in, in a few different ways, not just jellied, and I just I've just not found the dish for me, quite frankly. In um, some one part of because um, you know um, snails are obviously people think of uh, France when they think of snails, <clears throat> but but it, it's a there's a county in England, I want to say Lincolnshire, but that not that might not be right. But there's a huge tradition of eating snails, and they call them yeah, okay, um, right. they call them wallfish. Wallfish? They, they oh, do. No, they do. They, oh, they eat them. It's been, it's been, it's been, um, it's been. They've been eating them for a hundred, hundreds of years, but no one really talks about them because I suppose it's, um, it's not seen as, as fashionable. I, I guess. Mm. What's that big? Isn't the big one of those big slugs that look like penises that people eat? Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, but it's one of your worst chat lies. I'll tell you. It's, <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, I'm having a look. Is it ge- uh, just geoduck? 
It's a clam, but it looks like a big slug. Um, and it contains so much water. Um, you have it on your plate, and when you sort of pick it up, it still kind of squirts out water because there's uh, so much water in it. It's not for um, me. Give it, give it a Google. It's a, it's a, it's, it comes in a, in, in a perfectly um, amicable amiable kind of uh, kind of shell that you can hold the bottom of and just eat and people just sort of just chew the top of, the, of this giant sort of clam thing uh, I'm sure it's lovely and delicious but uh, they just they just look too much they look like wangers there's I'm, no two ways about them they look I'm, like wangers I'm quite a squeamish eater so anything that's like I, I'm not really into it particularly stuff like offerly stuff and but the one mm. thing i do find interesting is that people love to virtue signal about uh how much they love every food and how like oh right, yeah, yeah it's, it's tedious when people like people it's, it's odd to me how you'll get real foodies who'll say oh i'll eat absolutely everything and they're really virtue signal about it but then it's kind of confusing because it's like well if you're such a discerning guy when it comes to food or girl then surely you won't eat everything because it's like me saying i love music but i'll listen to anything People who say, yeah. oh, I'll listen to anything, don't know anything about music, do they? That's part of the thing they say. <laughs> so it doesn't really make any sense. Like, oh, I'm a big film fan. What films do you like? All of them. It doesn't All make any sense. Films. That, that, that's one something I didn't say on the on the Ramble uh, on on Monday. We were watching the film Goal Two, and my and remember like Michael Owen's like just not into films at all. He hates them. and He's got five yeah. films he watched, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's actually in that film, and that wasn't on his list. I think I may have said that on the Ramble. So he's in more films than he's seen. He's in he's in a fifth of the films. Yeah, it's outside. <laughs> it's outside the circle of the films he's seen, but he's in the film, so it's kind of confusing. And he's probably in a few more films as well. I reckon he's, his footage of Michael Owen has ended up in more. If we went to Michael Owen's IMDb, there'll be some feature films that he's managed to find himself into. Yeah, his way into, and uh, yeah, very much. His fun. ratio would be absolutely unreal. Most of us we would have watched <laughs> a thousand films and not been in any. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I've it, yeah, I, I've I've got uh, uh, for some reason. I think when I was researching uh, Goal 2, I was trying to find... I was like, oh, it's weird that like footballers have IMDb pages, but it, of course of course they do. Um, mm. I think I'm the only member of the Ramble for some weird reason that, that has an IMDb, but it's only because of a film from the Stakhanov uh, podcast stable abroad in Japan. He did like an online YouTube video where he went across Japan and I'm involved in that. So that's the only reason why I've got an IMDb page. I've not, I've not done any other things in, in that sphere. So I don't know who set it up, but somebody did. And well, they put Pete Donaldson and I think I'm the second one on the IMDb. That's annoying me. It was very that, exciting. It was very exciting, Luke. That annoys me because I my whole career is a testament to me trying to be better than you at stuff. And so now I'm going to have to try oh, and do that. Okay. But you know, Pete, Pete, I want to bring to, you, um, to our attention um, a revisit of the quiet chamber you talked about because chris frost sent me a link on mm. twitter about the um that that is it called an anechoic chamber well i mean the, it's without echo so yeah i imagine that would be a pretty way, good way of describing it yeah that's what they call them anyway but you were talking about weren't you how, how it was like the quietest mm. place in the world or something and i don't, and I don't really loopy. remember say again and you go loopy after a while yeah so so apparently um there's there's one developed by microsoft this quiet chamber uh, up in Washington State, which has now got the world record as being the quietest place on earth. But the 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 link that um, that Chris sent was for a guy uh, for for a place called Orfield Labs Quiet Chamber, which is in Minneapolis. Right. And but the question I wanted to ask you because I can't actually remember how much detail you went into, but basically it's this room that's set up to to block all sound completely. But the so to, for perspective, a typical bedroom at night, a regular quiet bedroom at night, measures still measures at about thirty decibels. 
right? right? This chamber measures at minus nine decibels. And I wanted to ask you how that how was they possible. To get, how they managed to get it to minus? I don't know. That's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> Does it make Is it sense? like kind of not, not uh, phase change? Um, like, you know, when you, um, you know how like um, noise cancelling headphones work? I think they play the complete inverse audio into your ears at the same time to block out the sound. So basically, I thought they em- emitted certain things to head off sounds when they reach you. I think it play. I think it basically, uh, I, I, this is complete nonsense, but it basically records everything that's going on outside and very quickly fires that same information inversed, like inverse the audio. Oh. I don't know what, the, what inversed, I, I really don't. I've been working with audio for such a long time and I don't know what inverse phase and all that stuff means, but it basically reverses that audio and fires a complete mirror image of that audio at you so hmm. your brain knows to cancel it out effectively. So it's, it's, it's your brain that's doing all, all, all the work there. But I do, But so maybe that's what they're doing. They're, they're not only zero decibels, they're actually you know, making it even, it, they're making it louder on the other spectrum. I don't really know. It's, it's so confusing. But I just know that if I ever set foot in one of those bloody rooms, I would instantly die. I'd be yeah. left alone with my thoughts and they would be so loud, my head would explode. Well, exactly. And that's, and that's, that's one of the interesting things about it. So it is amazing. It's obviously an amazing piece of technology and they use it for um, to get a properly neutral background. So that like, and one of the examples they use in the article that Chris sent me was um, companies like, prog. <laughs> like Harley, no, like Harley Davidson uh, use it to create quieter bikes, but make sure they still sound like the traditional Harley Davidson sound, for example. Right. And it's stuff like they, they use it to test LED displays to make sure they're not too loud and that kind of thing. But anyway, so you can only go in there if you, for a short supervised stay, but sometimes uh, reporters go in there to do columns or whatever. And but the record is that one, only the, the record for staying in there is only forty five minutes, and most people leave well under half that time, because right. um, apparently your ears adapt to the silence, but you can still hear stuff like your heartbeat, your stomach, your lungs, and it's apparently really, really odd because you become the sound basically. Yeah, oh, I don't like it. It's very really strange. Not nice. I don't like it. I'd love to put I, you I in like- there. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to stay there for a little while and just uh, <laughs> play play out some really underwhelming scar scar punk from the nineties. Um, cool. This as is it was meant to be heard. Shit as, ever, as it was meant to be heard. Actually, speaking of which, uh, you put uh, you very helpfully put a little uh, Twitter uh, Twitter shout out what you want us to talk about. Uh, the Tony Hawk remaster coming out in December, asks oh, yeah. uh, Douglas uh, Quaver Jr. Uh, they, they're going to be remastering Tony Hawk's 1 and 2, of the video games from the PlayStation. Couldn't get right to the music, though, could they? <sighs> yeah, they've had to uh, remove a couple of them, and they certainly have done in the past. With the, They've remastered them so many bloody times on mobile and a couple of other things. And they've what always... platform will this one be on? Will it be on Switch? I think it'll be, oh, I would say it's probably heading for Switch, certainly PlayStation and uh, Xbox. You never know with them. But yeah, they, they always sort of have to fiddle with it a little bit just simply because they just they just feel like they have to they did remaster the first one uh a little while ago and it was an absolute shit show uh so everyone's getting very excited i've had my ear to the ground uh on the whole tony hawk uh remaking uh right. kind of uh world and let's just say i'm not holding up much hope for this being any good but i do like the fact that they've uh they're going to be aging all of the skaters appropriately so there's going to be you know 55 year old tony hawk playing <laughs> In a school, problem. Well, that's stupid. Um, it's a skateboarding in a school in the video game. 
<laughs> That's ridiculous. I, I love that game yeah. back in the day. It was a big, it was a big vibe back in the late nineties, early two thousand. But you're not going to be hearing Public Enemy and Anthrax. That's all we're saying. Oh, bring right? the noise. That's a classic tune. Is it going to have noise. Superman on it? Goldfinger Superman. I think it will. I don't think you can get away with removing Lagwagon's May Sixteenth or, or Superman by uh, Goldfinger. Who are doing quite a lot of stuff on? Uh, it's their pension. Um, and, and uh, I think they're reminding of us. And I think they're probably, this COVID thing is kind of coincided with their uh, sort of live sessions over the internet kind of thing. Uh, they've probably done quite well to because no one's really talking about Goldfinger at the moment. No. For obvious reasons. Exactly. Yeah, uh, other, other subjects coming in, Titanic conspiracy theories. I mean, we, we've got very little time to research that, Alan. Uh, Korean sex dolls. Uh, we, we talked about that on the on the Football Ramble on Monday. Uh, your favourite dinosaur and why? Barney excluded. What's your favourite dinosaur, Luke? Um, probably Denver. <laughs> he was the last one, last last one in, first one in your heart. That's what the I problem say. is he had he had a um a very problematic theme tune as we talked about before. He he's your friend and a whole lot more. Friends yeah, of benefits. Yeah, sort of benefits. He just always does us hang out with kids. Yeah, um, it's not right. Mine was probably the baby out of uh, dinosaurs. Not that yeah, that's a good shot. By the way, I didn't realise this, but you said there that um oh Titanic conspiracy theories. Um, I had no idea that was even a thing, and I've just I've just Wikipedia'd it, and there's a massive, massive article about it. So I might read well, that it later. N- it never happened. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Let's let's pick that one up on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah Turns out it's still I knocking about, people, and you can go on it if you yeah, want. Yeah, you can find it. Yeah. The um, I, I like the fact that sort of people are sort of uh, doing like uh, you know, versions of what people would be like if the Titanic went down. Like now, yeah, they'd be sort of like truthers and like, did it really happen? All this stuff. Yeah, I don't think you need. Like, I, I think lifeboats are overrated. Uh, you know, paralleling the COVID mask sort of thing, stuff like that. They don't yeah. protect your head and stuff. It's just so many oh good things going around. Uh, and you know, <laughs> oh, the, yeah, yeah. the Titanic has got one, is is the source of one of the best um, movie quotes of all time. Where um, there was a movie made in 1980 um, called Raise the Titanic. Uh, right. I, I can't remember the source, the, the specific source of the quote. Might have been the director, might have been the guy who funded it, uh, but it was a bomb. It, it did nothing. It was terrible. It cost $40 million to make and uh, it grossed $7 million and that was it. And um, it was the producer, Lou Grade, who's, when he was asked about it in retrospect, said it would have been cheaper to lower the Atlantic. Which <laughs> 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 is a great oh, That's such a good quote. Lovely. Yeah. All right, Brilliant. we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with uh, some of your emails. Hello at LukeandPitchShow.com. Are you struggling to find something to watch during lockdown? You've drained Netflix, rewatched all your old favourites, and now you need something new? Well, we're here to help. Join us for Clash of the Titles, the podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head in a fight to the death. Release the Kraken. Well, not death. We just decide which one is better. When they do a long shot of the crowd in the ivory tower, it's different to the close-up. And if you look closely, you can see E.T., Mickey Mouse, Chewbacca, <laughs> um, no. Ewoks, and C-3PO. So when Wolfgang Peterson went to Spielberg, went, yeah, uh, could you maybe um, re-edit uh, my, my movie? Uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg went, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm probably going to cut out? E-f***ing tea, mate. <laughs> I made that. Find your new favourite movie or revisit an old classic with me, Alex Zane, Vicky Crompton and Chris Tilly. New episodes out every Monday and Thursday. Clash of the Titles is a Stakhanov production. And we're back. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, emails, Luke, have you got one for us? 
I have. I've got one about quantum physics, Pete. And if there's anyone, oh, no. If there's one email that's title that's going to put you off anymore, it's probably an email about quantum physics. But it's from Jamie. Now I mentioned, didn't I, something about the fascination of quantum physics to the extent that I understand it, which is pretty much yeah. non-existent. But it just so turns out that our listener friend Jamie um, has only discovered the Luke and Pete show recently, and yeah, he's called it a godsend. His words, not mine. <laughs> Um, the, God, says, the God Particle. Yeah, the God Particle quite, podcast. Exactly. He says, though, I actually listen to it when I'm taking a break from studying for my exams for my master's degree in theoretical physics. So I'm probably yeah. in the perfect position to answer your call from the last episode. I mean, well, I'll, he's not I'll, finished it. He's not got through that. He's not got through the uh, finishing tip just yet. So, no. not the perfect. I mean, I'll address the gigantic elephant in the room, which is why a man who is clearly this intelligent is listening to the Luke and Pete show, but that's his problem, <laughs> not ours. So Jamie says, in quantum physics, so see how much of this you can get, because I think Jamie explains yeah. it in quite an interesting way. He says, right. in quantum physics, if we want to predict where a particle might be, we do quantum physics-specific maths to calculate its probability of being in different positions i.e. the maths is different from what you'd use to calculate the position of the moon, for example. If you sketch the probability with positions on a graph, it would be a wave. But when we observe the particle, we know where it is, so we can narrow down its position to an almost exact point, almost because of Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, because quantum mechanics (laughs) is weird, but I'm not going into that now. He said, we call this the wave function collapsing to a state, as we used to need a wave to describe the particle, but now we can just say where it is. The Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics says that this is physically what is happening, that particles are probably waves until we observe them, upon which they collapse into an object at a point. This is well supported Mm. by evidence, like the double slit experiment that Luke mentioned, but isn't actually proven. And some physicists still believe that there is something subtler going on physically. We just don't, and we just have a good mathematical model for it. Finally, about your point observing the moon, which I said was in theory that if no one observed the moon, would it actually exist? He says, we don't actually know what would happen if nothing were observing it. So far, quantum mechanics only seems to affect incredibly small things. Um, quite at what point and why the universe stops obeying classical physics and starts obeying quantum physics, we don't yet know. Hope that's cleared some stuff up for you guys. And if you want to know more, uh, check out QED by Richard Feynman, a great book by one of the greatest teachers and scientists of all time. Thank you for keeping me sane. Jamie. I mean, recommending a book at the end. I- I've got to get over the hurdle first, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> what a book. So, <laughs> yeah, Pete's actually I mean, written more it, books it, than he's read. I mean, quantum, <laughs> I mean, quant, I mean, quantum mechanics and quantum uh, physics. It sounds very much like the study of musical statues. So that's what I'm kind of working on. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. It's yeah. a wave until you look at it, and then it's like, whoa, yeah. steady. I wasn't doing nothing. I wasn't yeah. doing nothing, sir. I was just studying the whole time, baby. But that's what the, I'm pretty sure. I'm Jamie can tell us more about this. That's pr- I'm pretty sure that's the principle behind. Schrodinger's cat because mm. you put a cat in a box and if um, some subatomic particles react in a certain way they emit a gas which kills the cat uh, but they might not which doesn't kill the cat but it only happens if you observe it so therefore the cat is technically dead and alive at the same time and you because you only find out by opening the box right that's a really mm. shit way of explaining it but that's essentially the principle as far as i understand it jamie can give us more information on that but i think that's a way of explain of, of trying to describe what happens at a subatomic level in the quantum world at a much bigger macro level 
And that's the yeah. that's the example they use. Jamie will uh, hopefully will email back and then give us a load more of a better explanation than that. But that to me is absolutely fascinating. Oh yeah, I, and 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 like the Schrodinger's cat thing, like the. I mean, you could simplify it even further. You don't even need to sort of talk about how the cat might be alive or might be dead. Just either the cat is alive or the cat is dead, and we don't know until we open the box and look at the cat. Either way, you shouldn't bring it into the library, sir. Yeah, Get out of here. And you know, and 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 in dear old Toby's case, the dirty nappy is either on the doorstep or it isn't. You're not going to find out till you open the door. <laughs> oh, that feeling though of like opening your front door, and there might be a dirty nappy sat there fresh, or there might not be. It might be yeah. all over your garden. It might yeah. just, maybe we have stumbled <laughs> onto a beautifully kind of like uh, you know. This is now getting a little bit kind of, kind of like a little bit gothic. Where is the cat in the garden? It's all over the garden. <laughs> it's oh. all over the place. <laughs> well, well. Speaking of physicists, we got an email from uh, Timothy Brown. D-Ream, Brian Cox, and a lot of gaffer tape. Dear Luke and Pete, listening to Pete's birthday special and mentioning uh, D-Ream, reminded me of a great story concerning the band. This story comes from an old chemistry teacher, let's call him Dr. T. Uh, through the years, there'd always been rumours about Dr. T having a bit of a rock star pass and annoying a few celebrities. Sounds like a rapper. After six... Yes, so Dr. T does. Uh, after a sixth form of needling questions in our final lesson, he conceded that in the 80s, he'd been a roadie for a few bands in European tours, including the aforementioned D-Ream. Obviously, this name drop didn't have much impact on an ignorant group of millennials, although the name Brian Cox did get a few murmurs of interest. Keen to milk the audience's uh, Dr. T uh, tells a story about one of D-Ream's earlier tours, a young Brian Cox, head swollen with fame, who was getting a bit big for his boots. After a show and after one demand too many, a group of roadies, Dr. T included, grabbed Brian and gaffer taped into a lighting rig, hoisted him several metres off the ground whilst they packed the rest of the kit up. Safe to say, Brian piped down after this. Dr. T still meets uh, Brian for a curry every year and informed us that Brian doesn't have a favourite curry, but prefers to explore the chef's specials. Thanks to get the show going. It's a welcome relief from the from the uh, banalities of lockdown life. Have you ever taped a physicist to a post? Let us know. It was just it was merely an experiment um, to show uh, gravity at work. It's <laughs> it all it was. Indeed, yeah. I, I um, <laughs> it was. I think those roadies should respect the talent. That's what I think, and they'd be very lucky yeah. to keep a job and carry on like that. I yeah, I think I, maybe he probably wasn't that much in charge of D-Ream. Maybe he just didn't have that much swear. I mean, I'm like, out of the uh, Monday and Friday uh, collection on the football ramble. I'm sort of thinking, is there anybody we couldn't tape to a post? Like I mm. get taped the post, and, and I couldn't get anyone fired. You the same? Yeah, Marcus. Might incur the, the wrath of the Lord. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think Brassel or Jules, maybe Brassel or Jules on a Tuesday. Yeah. If, if if we tape one of them, we'd be in serious physical danger or trouble. I would never, I would never gaffer tape either Andy or Jules to a post because they're too nice. I, uh, and, I mean, Jules, I th- I Jules think... would you, Jules, you could use like a stamp, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> but she'd right. also kick your ass as well. But the thing <laughs> is, um, I think we've developed enough of a um, of a of a, a kind of. Hier- not not hierarchy, but like a, a culture at Football right. Ramble Daily where no one is really too big for their boots. In, if someone in if, danger if, tipped. if someone got taped, I think everyone else would just find it really funny. So it would, right, there okay, would be yeah. no problem. But Pete, one thing what? I do want to say is I remember speaking to you on a Monday at work once after a Sunday night Brian Cox episode on the BBC. It was probably Wonders of the Universe. I talked to you about how great it was, and you um, you replied saying you've never watched any of his shows because you don't like his face. Yeah, I don't like his lips. You said he looks like they, he's wearing they... a death mask of his own face, is what you said. <laughs> it looks all stretched. Yeah, he looks I understand what you waxy. mean. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, I find I, I don't know where he came. I don't, I don't know why he suddenly became because he was always the bloke on Sean Keaveney's 
six breakfast show. Yeah, uh, and he was always yeah, really great I, on that. Just, it was, yeah, it was, but, but but then he, did, he he sort of appeared less and less on that, and kind of appeared more and more on uh, that was my chair, not a pump, by the way. <laughs> more and more, uh, more and more on uh, on the telly, and I always just thought, like, oh, it's that guy from, it's just that guy from Sean Keaveney's Breakfast Show. But but but, <laughs> but the point is as well, though, I mean, to get on TV as a scientist, I mean, being really good at science isn't the difficult part. The difficult no. part is, can you be really good on TV? And if you can, yeah. you're miles ahead of 90% of all other scientists. I mean, I, I say that with love. My, my wife is a scientist and very personable. She's got great social skills. Most scientists do not have that. So they, mm. they can't do TV work. And yet Brian Cox is clearly a very affable chap with a great sense of humor and understands the cultural relevance of what he's saying. And it's not like... It's not separated off from real life. Like most people yeah. say in, who are in the know say that science just needs a better PR team, really, because the work they do is amazing, mm. but they get mistrusted all the time because they're not very good at articulating what they're talking about. And people think of them like these weird poindexters. So alpha male well, why, weird why? demagogic presidents, for example, don't trust right. them because they literally don't trust them because they don't understand what they're all about. Yeah, I was going to ask like why why does science why does science need need a, need PR? But yeah, you're right. It, it, it literally is underpinning all of the problems we're having right now in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's finish off with this email from Dennis. And I, I, as I say sometimes to to you and to our listeners on the show, I sometimes give um, a little headline of the email on my notes so that if I don't get to mm. it and I get to it in a couple of weeks' time, I can remember what it's about. And I, this is one of those emails. And a couple of weeks ago, I shortlisted this and I gave it the headline, Man Disrespects Us and Recommends Others Do the Same. This is from, <laughs> this is from Dennis who says, okay. Hi guys, even if you don't read this email out, I thought you should know that you help me get to sleep each night. Oh. I suffer I from mild insomnia, which despite the term mild can sometimes mean I don't sleep at all in the night or I frequently wake up and am forced to just lay there with my thoughts. And this happens oh at least nine to ten times a month with a few nights resulting in a quality rest. Over the years, I've tried many things to help myself get to sleep and failed many times. But since discovering your show about a month ago, I have slept considerably better, often putting your show on just before <laughs> I lay down. Uh, or during the night. I don't really know the exact science behind why this is the case. I thought it might also be an interesting talking point for your show. Um, I've previously been recommended multiple treatments with suggestions such as intense exercise or music, um, but it also um, it always fails. If any of the resident doctors of the Luke and Pete show know why podcasts particularly help, I'd be intrigued to find out. Um, and there we go. He says, I'm falling asleep while listening to someone talk is usually a bad thing. I'd like to thank you for unknowingly helping me get some much needed rest. Now, I don't mean to um, trivialize Dennis's issue because it's obviously horrible. Touch wood, unfortunately enough, I'm a fairly good sleeper generally. But if anyone yeah. else has got some tips to share with the Luke and Pete Show community, or as Dennis says, any doctors are listening who can help out, do that because it's an awful, awful thing. I know a few people who've got bad insomnia and it is miserable. Mm. Everyone's, so, everyone's different and I... Is, I think we spoke about it before, like the doctors who uh, study sleep um, frequently contract insomnia because you know, oh, anxiety, right. anxiety uh, um, uh, connected insomnia because they're just so into how fucking important sleep is and how a good sleep cycle underpins everything. I said underpins a lot this uh, episode. Underpins everything else that, uh, that that goes wrong with your body. So it's like, like sleep is the most restorative and best thing you can do with your body. Forget your John the Juice green health shakes. 
yeah. maybe that you've stolen off a, a woman from the only way is Essex. Forget all that nonsense. Just get a good night's rest. And it's so impossible in our workaday world with our responsibilities and our mobile phones and I need to be connected all the time. We just never, ever switch off. But uh, Have you thought about yeah, installing I, I, an, 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 an echoic chamber? <laughs> Does that make loop. it better or worse? I'd love to meet the person who has been in there like longer, like, you know, the, the person who sort of stayed in there for the longest time. Yeah. They're the one probably like, sat in the corner of the pub with their hood up with no one around them. Yeah. He's probably, he's, he's probably sort of confused for a man who just goes to a lot of Grateful Dead concerts. <laughs> yeah. Pete, what's your, what's your um, tip for getting off to sleep? You don't want to know it now. I don't know. I, I think when you're jet lagged, you become unnecessarily obsessed with sleep and how you're not getting it and how. So I just think, don't worry about it. If you're up, you're up. Go and get some food, eat some food, and invariably you'll, you'll drift off back to sleep, even if that is at four o'clock in the morning and you're eating at ridiculous times. Have yeah. a little bit, of, have a bit, have a little snack, uh, and invariably your body will sort of go, right, Pete, you need to relax now. Let's, let's go back to sleep. Or you can order some pretty strong tranquilizers off the internet. Yeah, I knew that was going to go down. That. I, I, as soon as I asked the question... <laughs> I knew that was going to make up some of the answer, and I instantly regretted it. Um, I would say one, one some antihistamines. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I've learned over the years, and there's not that many of them, obviously, but one of the things I have learned is that one of the biggest problems around things like anxiety or stress, or and this can play into that, I think, because sleep would absolutely fall under that category. I can easily imagine that is fighting against the way you're feeling or the situation you're in, and not accepting it. Because part of the anxiety or the stress or the insomnia comes from fighting against what is clearly a suboptimal situation, whereas one step along the line could be to just to accept it, understand the situation you're in, don't fight against it. And that, for me, has always been the first step along getting past whether it's stress or anxiety, whatever it may be, any kind of not ideal mental situation, basically. That's the only thing I can offer. Thankfully, touch wood, I do need quite a lot of sleep, but I'm quite a good sleeper. Uh, so I can't, I can't offer anything else because thankfully so far I've not really experienced it. Yeah, I, I just sort of think that anything that I, I've kind of angled myself like a, 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 a quite fortuitous little life where um, I can sleep all. No, but your the patterns time are quite, quite up time. and down because you've said you've told me before. Since I finished it, doing Absolute uh, Radio, and I like the first two months of the year, I settled into what you would probably describe as a, a nine to five, like going to sleep at 12 o'clock. I got to sleep at like 11, um, waking up at about seven. I was going to the gym every morning. I was going to work. And, I, you know, I, I did uh, an un, 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 unheard of, like, you know, Monday to Friday for like eight weeks in the, in the in the office. And it was quite good. And then this hit. And so, like, my little routine has been, I was so proud of myself, Luke, that I managed yeah. to sort of get up, get into work, do what needs to be well well I still waste a lot of time along the way let's make that very clear but I was getting into a bit of a routine that had been denied me because I was working until one o'clock in the morning every night for the last something like seven years so like yeah I was getting a, a lovely little routine and then this hit and that is the real uh you're the real victim here. no but but seriously there is, there, I think there's a serious point in that and I think and I might have mentioned this before but I think I think it really is and even if I have mentioned it before I'm going to say it again because I think it's important a lot of the rhetoric and a lot of the um internet website columns and newspaper columns because people are desperate for content because they, they just they think everyone's doing nothing else have been yeah. about oh here's what you can learn here's what you can do under lockdown yeah. you've got all this time yeah. on your hands and and uh-huh. what, uh, not enough of it is said don't fucking worry about it 
listen, we're all mm. in a difficult situation, right? I've, I've felt really tired because my pattern's been all over the place recently, even though I sleep pretty well traditionally. Don't stress about it. Don't think to yourself, oh God, I'm not getting anything done or I'm not learning a new skill or I'm not learning a language. All this stuff can be preposterous because no one knows the situation you're in. My advice, if people want it, would be get through it. Be as happy as you can. Get through it. Stay realistic and just look after yourselves and the people you're, you're living with and isolating with. And that's really all you can hope for. Anything else is just a yeah. bonus. Don't be so hard on yourself all the time. Don't use words about yourself that you'd never use about other people like lazy or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> I'll never use that about myself. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I would that's what I would say. Oh, anyway. And I've spent a lot of my time sat in a spare room talking into a microphone with a little hat from an innocent smoothie on top of it. And if anyone's going to go insane, it's going to be me. <laughs> you started where you started seeing that little hat in your vision yeah. <laughs> like you, yeah like a first person shooter is just kind of floating in front of you all the time but well, so far everything's gone okay so it's, it's a bit of a lucky charm now so i don't want to get well, you're like it. a kind of uh i mean if you're going to sort of say you know you were talking about audio these incredibly uh specific audio engineers who've managed to sort of rig up this this minus eight decibel uh, studio i mean you're well on your way to sort of hacking your way to that situation you managed to deaden the sound in your in your bedroom you've you, yeah. we've we, i don't think we've ever put a podcast out that hasn't sounded like we're in the same room um and i've got a fucking 800 quid isolating Vox thing that, that, that sounds like a fucking submarine yours sounds great and you're using a bloody hat from a sh- a, 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 a smoothie yeah, I'll send, I'll send the picture around. I'll send the picture around at some point. Very, um, very I'm, I'm also I'm also wearing a hat at the moment because my hair is so long. So I'm. It looks like the microphone is doing an impression of me. <laughs> yeah, well. We, yeah. Anyway, I bleach my hair. Yours has gone long. You, you, you just put that on. We both put hats on. It's the summer. I think, I think it's been clear for some time that this episode finished quite a while ago. So I'm going to wrap it up. Mm. Um, hello at Luke and Pete show to get in touch. Oh, sorry. Hello at Luke and Pete show.com to get in touch at Luke and Pete show is our destination on Twitter. We will be back on Monday with more of this nonsense. I might look into some of those Titanic conspiracy theories as requested by one of our listeners. No promises Lovely. though. Have a great weekend. Look after yourself, stay safe and uh, we'll, we'll see you again soon. Say goodbye, Peter. Goodbye, Peter. And it's goodbye from me as well. Was a Stakhanov production.